My name is Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome home to your Boo Crew episode 352 all October. It is Trick or Treats with your Boo Crew. We are filling your goodie bag with all new shows in addition to our regular Tuesday release for the entire month, and what a month it has been. As of recording this, we just came off the heels of David Bruckner's new vision of Hellraiser. Vanessa and Joe Winter have blown our minds with Deadstream. That is one of the best things we've ever seen. The Guinness World Record-breaking Midnight Club from the brilliant Mike Flanagan is just the most elegant and spooky storytelling ever. And Terrifier 2 has been making cinematic history out there in its limited theatrical run with reports of people vomiting and passing out in the theaters. We are so fortunate to appear at the end of the movie. If you stay tuned after the credits, doing a behind-the-scenes look at the making of the film with filmmaker Damien Leone and David Howard Thornton, Art the Clown himself. It is the 70s all over again. It is a glorious time to be a horror fan, and we are celebrating one such horror fan on this all-new episode. A screenwriter, director, and author whose first novel, As Dead Things Do, is available now wherever books are sold. It is a spectacular horror story that debuted at number one in LGBTQ horror on Amazon to incredible acclaim. Hang out with a remarkable new voice in the horror space. Tyler Christensen. This is such a fun conversation about our collective love of the genre, his writing process, the haunted location that crawled onto the pages, some other terrific book recommendations for Spooky Season, and tons more. Episode 352 with Tyler Christensen is now slaying. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is a gifted storyteller who has been behind the scenes on the production staff of some of the most popular TV shows ever made, like the multi-Emmy winning Extreme Makeover Home Edition, Deal or No Deal, America's Got Talent, to name just a few. He moved into writing and directing for Lifetime Movie Network and in 2016 released his own debut horror feature, House of Purgatory, about 14 who are on the hunt for an urban legend haunted house that reportedly pays should you make it out alive. Definitely check it out on your favorite streaming platform. One of the first things you'll notice is that the energy and flow of the dialogue, its brisk pace, its rich characters, and an obvious reverence for the horror genre is all at play, and we love it so much. In addition to our guest's first feature, those are all elements that are in his first novel, As Dead Things Do, debuted at number one in LGBTQ horror on Amazon. It follows a married couple, Jared and Caleb, who are not only being haunted by infidelity, but by something in their inherited family homestead in North Carolina. It is a remarkable piece of work, but don't just take our word for it. Here's a quote. Not since first reading The Shining have I been this affected by a book. Christensen is the love child of Ray Bradbury and Stephen King. That comes from none other than David Kirshner, producer of the Child's Play franchise, co-writer and producer of Hocus Pocus, Christie, Frailty, and more. You could pick up As Dead Things Do wherever books are sold. We are honored to welcome its creator, Tyler Christensen. 
Yeah! I've been waiting so long for that. Oh, <laughs> my favorite part of it. Every, every time I listen, I'm like, God, he's going to go out with something so good. Oh, man. That means a lot to us. Well, that you thank you. Listen. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank God, thank you for yes. being here. And congrats on the book. And yeah. thanks for spending time with us, man. Thank you. It's been a, a wild whirlwind. Since. I can only imagine. Well, we'll get all into it. First of all, we, we start where we always start. Where does the love of horror begin for you? Do you remember your initial early experiences with the genre and how it made you feel? Um, you know, I think for me it was, gosh, being an older brother. Sure. So I think having the little sister, you're just, you know, it comes in the genes. You just need to terrify them. Mm-hmm. So growing up, I would just constantly be uh, harassing my little sister. Everything for, and I was committed. I would get underneath her bed. Wow! Like an hour before bedtime to ensure that she didn't know I was there, and then wait for her to get there, and then wait for her to just about fall asleep before I start scratching on the wood. This is involved. Oh yeah, I was committed. That's Uh, amazing. We're still friends, believe it or not. We like we like each other a lot. Uh, (laughs) But it was that type of stuff, you know. I think just I grew up in Wisconsin, where you know that the fall season was just such a big. You know, Halloween and every time, every time the, the leaves started changing, it would just be like, okay, it's, it's that time of year and the haunted houses and the, uh, you know, going out in the woods with the friends and sure. trying to scare the crap out of each other. And, um, and then once you start getting into movies, it's just like, it's over. Well, tell us about some of those movies, like yeah. the first re- ones you saw. I remember my mom renting. So they figured out pretty early on that I was pretty big into movies and sure. horror. Uh, and pretty early on, my mom rented um the exorcist but oh, she did not want it's me to always watch. a fucking exorcist right? isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but she was in her mind she was like this is a very important movie this is a good yeah. movie um that you need to see but you're not going to watch this by yourself you're going to wait you're going to watch this with me so here's the vhs i'm going to leave it on top of the vcr tomorrow we'll watch this so if you're going to tell a 12 year old kid not to watch something the first thing they do <laughs> exactly. as soon as mom was in bed i was downstairs putting that in the vcr and watching it <laughs> Uh, so that one just messed me up. I mean, I'll never forget that first time watching that movie. Um, so with that, and then I was big into like Goosebumps. Sure. The yeah. series was kind of of that age and yeah. scary stories to tell in the dark. Um, and then God, the next big thing, I think the most affected I've ever been in a, by a horror movie, I think was seeing the Blair Witch Project. The first. Oh time. Yeah. yeah. Likewise. Oh man. That was just one of those. I, I saw it. It was still up in the air as to whether or not it was true. Yes. Oh, nice. See, that That's what we all went through. Someone told me it was real. Yeah. We were all right in the pocket of that generation, yeah. right? That totally kind of believed it. middle of the beginning of the internet, right? Yes. Kind yeah. of generation where we were all buying into that, man. We were all in that age group. Yeah. yeah. I showed my mom. She was like, oh my gosh, these poor people. She <laughs> well, was even scared. Well, it was done so well. I mean, that's something we'll never get that again. Like the way that they completely, mm. right. I mean, the, the marketing of that movie was just so ahead of its time. Yep. Um, yeah, we were, I think, 16 at that time when it came out, because um, I remember we had to have one of my buddy's friend, or I'm sorry, one of my buddy's brothers go buy the tickets, because we weren't old enough. So it was like one of the few movies that they thought was so scary that they were actually checking IDs to make yeah. sure you were 17. Oh, wow. Um, it was a theater at the other side of town, which was a big deal, we never went over there. The giant. It's an event. The metropolis that is Green Bay, Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we went over there, and I just, that movie, when again, when you're like, of that age, and you think it might be true, mm-hmm. even though you're like, well, it can't be. Can it? No. Maybe? 
there was no way to ver- verify it. No, yeah. there was no way. Yeah. And then the way that, I mean, that just got in the whole found footage of it. And then the way it ended and it just cuts to black and you're like, what was your reaction to the end of that? I was paralyzed. Like I saw it in, in a dark bedroom by myself on, on I don't know, maybe DVD or VHS. I don't know. And I froze. I, I froze. Literally. I, I couldn't move. I was so scared. Yeah. I remember <laughs> sitting there and I, it, obviously the movie had no credits, no end credits. Right. So you, it just goes to black and it's silent. And then slowly the lights come up and Wee. everyone's just sitting there. <laughs> like, yeah. To, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leo, did you get the tape that went around K Rock? Yeah, see, that's the one I got. Yeah, they did a, this really cool like marketing campaign where they would send um, VHS tapes, and like there were a series of them, right? And one of them was like missing Josh, Heather, you know, and, and it would be like a profile, you know, like you know, just short videos of them and stuff, yeah. you know. And then like the next tape would come a few months later, and it'd be like Ricketsville, you know, this and this, and then eventually it was like clips you know and then it's just like what and eventually i mean it was a movie yeah but with no credits <laughs> and then it was a, it was the screening the uh the premiere it was quote unquote the premiere and the premiere had no credits again it was just kind of like hey artisan pictures is putting this out mm-hmm. watch this movie and movie ends and we're like just like trevor's reaction we're just sitting there like in silence we're like yeah. What did we just watch? What did we just watch? Yeah. yeah. Like, Where that, are these kids? Yeah. Was yeah. that a snuff film? Right. Yeah. Just yeah, 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 yeah. Now, had they, had they done what they did with, uh, was it Green Inferno? You hear that story? Mm-mm. What did they do with that one? Green Inferno was, was the it the Eli Roth movie? No, no. The, I'm sorry, not Green Inferno. Oh, Cannibal, Cannibal Holocaust. Holocaust. Oh, okay. The Italian, the 1970s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They told that those cast people that they wouldn't, could not show oh, their faces I, in press for a year. I had just heard that story. Yeah. I didn't know that that was the story that accompanied Isn't that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So the, they, they actually, thought they were all dead. Yeah, they thought they were all dead. So they arrested the producer, the director, and the camera guy or something. Mm-hmm. They were actually in jail. <laughs> in Italian jail for like three months. Oh You're kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, if, have they done that with Blair Witch? I mean, that's next play. That's well, next I remember, play, I don't you know. think that the Shit. people from like Heather Donahue and... Um, was it Josh Leonard? Yeah, Josh Leonard. I, I, what's the other guy's name? Mike. Mike. Something. Ah, too bad. <laughs> we'll, we'll edit it in later. But yeah, I, I don't know if they were, they weren't doing interviews and stuff for a long time yeah. after though, either, yeah. right? No. It, it was a while. Yeah. It was a while. The movie started making money and then it was like, oh, they're on the Tonight Show or something, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, and then I saw. I remember seeing Heather in some teen movie, like some teen comedy. And yes. I was like, Wait a minute. <laughs> you're like, you're not dead. Right. Like two years, you're still like, dang, you ruined it for me. So was that kind of the faucet that that turned your love of horror film on? Would you say Blair Witch? Was yeah, I like think a, Blair Witch is yeah. where like just yeah yeah the faucet, the wheels came off. Right. That was like you know, and I think you're of that age too, where like everyone now Blair Witch has set this template that anyone can make a movie. So now everyone who's got a video camera's out in the woods with their video camera and everyone's thinking they're the next, you know, Spielberg out there. Sure. Sure. Um, but yeah, that was, I think we, we then made a movie for our high school and we're like selling tickets to it. To oh, like, wow. You know, so that was kind of the start of your, was that the start of your creative, uh, adventures in the genre? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. The, before that was, you know, like everyone kind of like writing short stories and whatnot, but that was the first time that start running with the idea of making films. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, I was curious what? because you mentioned The Exorcist and I, I really always ask the same question to everybody who brings it up is next year we're getting the first sequel to the original movie and, and two more after that. Where, do, How do you make that movie as frightening and, and as effective as the original for today's audiences mm. who are, you know, jaded, jaded by everything, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. 
That's a good question. I think it, I'm not Catholic, but I think that that was a big reason why so many people found that movie terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that is a great question. I don't know. You got to look at like some of these movies now that you see that are really affecting people and what it is about them that's really that works on those levels. Right. Um, God, how do you make The Exorcist scary? I don't know. I mean, the closest that I've seen in a similar vein, I guess, would be Hereditary, probably. Right. Right? Yeah. Yep. Like kind of in a dark, occult-based, you know, no holds barred. This isn't funny. This isn't, right. you know, there's no elements of humor at all. Yeah. You know, pure, intense. Yeah. That yeah, would but be now the, the exorcist, you're coming in with that hanging around your neck, too. That's like, yep. how do you ever live up to? Yeah. Even with right. the original Ellen Burstyn, Ellen Burstyn uh, coming back, Blair, it's yeah, still yeah. like... I don't know how you do it. Yeah. It's, a, it's a heavy lift. And there's some scenes in that movie which I'm pretty sure the directors say won't even touch. They won't even go there. It's just, you know, too controversial, you know? Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Unless you're Damien Leone and you'd Big Terrifier too. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All kinds are All kinds are Would you say Would you say there's a particular horror movie that changed your life? Oh, boy. That changed my life. I guess it kind of depends on, you know, there, I feel like there are horror movies that defined as that define times of my life. Sure. So like I think The Exorcist is that first initial kind of introduction. Um, I think Blair Witch kind of really was my high school and formative years of yeah. getting into the genre. I don't know why, but I remember the others really yeah. messing with me in a way that I was not expecting. A great twist. Yes. A great twist. Yeah. Uh, obviously, The Sixth Sense. Coming, you know, talking about twists. That one was. The first time that as a viewer, you're watching kind of horror go really mainstream. Sure. That yeah. was one of those like, oh, everyone has seen it, which was different for a horror movie. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, and then I think like Paranormal Activity messed me up. The first one of those too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember sitting in the theater watching that and just like gripping the, the napkin that I had in my hand that was to the point <laughs> where it was just like disintegrated by the end of the movie. Um, what about The Conjuring? I love The Conjuring. I wouldn't say it's like informative to me but that is like up there like it's a conjuring and like hereditary are my top two horror yeah. films of all time just that's my style i love that kind of like i love ghosts i love supernatural I'll take anything supernatural over anything like slashery yeah. got it um well here's yeah. one for you as, as a creator you mentioned some of those movies are there any moments that you can pull out of any particular horror films that have informed your own voice as a storyteller in the genre, like films or sequences that have left you with a feeling that you chase or that you use as kind of a goalpost in your own work. I think the, yes, I think it's uh gauge's death in pet cemetery. Mm. Oh yeah. There's just, and that's not even, you know, like that's not the quote unquote supernatural horror of pet cemetery at all. That's just like real life. You're watching parents heavy yeah Yeah. the floor just drops out from under you holy smokes like that's one of those moments where like i think that movie messed me up more so i think i couldn't put it into words why because it was scary it had so many hard horror elements that i loved but it was the family stuff that really stays with you yeah i think like what you know god yeah gage and then the whole him coming back and i remember him getting the needle in the neck as like corpse gauge and just being like no fear and falling yeah. down yeah <laughs> yeah like you're like good yeah. you're evil but you're right. also your heart is breaking you're in your yeah. little velvet suit and i don't want you to go away again <laughs> um see i think pets that's a big one that was one of those the moments that you can't erase yeah have you ever seen the um, nightingale 
by Jennifer Kent. That's a more recent no, one. No, yeah. I don't think I have. That's a really that's a, yeah, that's emotional. One, that, one of those ones that yeah pulled the floor out from underneath really? us yeah. in in that way. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I gotta watch that one then. What were your first steps in creating House of Purgatory and actually going towards making your first film? Um, I think I'd been, as you said, I was working in, you know, reality television. Yeah. When I moved out to L.A. from Wisconsin, that was just kind of where all the jobs were. It was the height of reality television, sure. for better or worse. Um, and I started working, you know, as a PA. And then next thing you know, it's been years and years. And now you're producing, but it's reality television. Uh, and I just had a moment like, this is not what I moved out here to do. This is not what I want to do with my life. Um, I came out here to tell stories and to, to make horror movies, ideally. And uh, so I just had to say no to that first job. You know, as a freelancer, saying no for the first time is about the most terrifying. God, I can't do. even imagine. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I said no and sat down. And, I, you know, I think with House of Purgatory, what was interesting is I completely thought that that urban legend of the haunted house that you get money back for every story you make it up and nobody's ever made it to the top i thought that was true i had like grown up a completely hook line and sinker with that urban legend like we talked about that in high school we're like oh it must be somewhere down in chicago or it must be like milwaukee that <laughs> was convinced that this was a real place uh and then i don't know it's probably just like uh poking around on like snopes or something like that and i see that it's an urban legend and i was like floored it's like what I fell for an urban legend and then I was just so fascinated by that idea. And I thought, you know, it, okay, if this place existed, what would that have to look like? What could there possibly be in a haunted house? That's so scary that every single person taps out. Um, and I think, well, it's gotta be something supernatural and it's gotta be personal to each person. And, uh, that's kind of just where it started the story about, like, okay, well, let me now start taking character archetypes and thinking what would be the worst thing to happen to this person and to this person, to this person. Um, and I just, you know, wrote the thing and then said, you know, you got a script. Now what? Uh, and I started, um, you know, beg, steal and borrow, get yeah. some money together. And I went back to Wisconsin and hired a crew out of mostly out of Chicago and Milwaukee. And wow. you know, so did the- you do it like all independently? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And there's no. some like, is it Brian? Brian Krause, Krause, is in yeah. Yeah, from, yeah. And sleepwalkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How did, how did that? Happen? Uh, I, Worked with a producer, so I met a producer in um, in gosh, I think he was in Madison, named uh, Travis, and he had done a handful of things, and um, he met, he had known Brian. He's like, oh, let me reach out and just see if, and I was agent, and he was willing to do it. So I was like, oh, okay, that is um, so, so cool. And then the, the whole side of the production stuff of that I will never understand is the scheduling. So it's like, oh, we could bring him in. Because in my mind, that character is in the entire movie. Yeah. Like, oh, we'll bring him in for two days and he'll be out. And you're like, oh, what? shit, how do we make this work? <laughs> yeah, right? Like, okay, you say so, yeah. sure. Wow. Uh, yeah, so he came in for just like two days and that was it. And it was like this bizarre moments of it happening so fast. And we shot most of the movie in my parents' house. Oh, and then, like, I was going to ask where yeah. that was. Oh, yeah. Like the whole hospital scene, like my parents' basement was a soundstage. So you turn this way and it was like the hospital. Then you turn this way and it's like the like decrepit basement with the couch and stuff. And then you that turn over here so and it's the staircase. Cool. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, and Brian Krauss is standing there like waiting, like the green room or like his dressing room was basically like my sister's bedroom. And he's like just <laughs> chilling in there, like waiting <laughs> as they're like putting the skeleton makeup on. And I'm like, going to go up to my sister's room and say, hey. We're ready for you down in my basement to come shoot this movie. <laughs> That's awesome. And was he totally down? Was oh, he like, this is great. 100%. This is so fun. He thought it was so cool. Oh, it was like, cool. And my mom is there like taking pictures and she's like, 
Aww. Oh, yeah, she was so sweet. She, uh, we broke for lunch at one point. Of course, we're all shooting in the middle of the night. So it's like lunch, you know, whatever. It's two o'clock in the morning. And she thinks she's going to be helpful. And it's the scene where they're all carving pumpkins in the kitchen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she's going to be very, very helpful. So she's going to clean up while we're all out, you know, having our lunch. So she starts cleaning oh, up the no. hot set. <laughs> like a oh, continuity no. yeah. nightmare. <laughs> so the AD comes back and he's like, uh. Someone <laughs> oh, explain how movies work to everybody yeah. here. <laughs> it's like, so your mom kind of like cleaned everything up. I was like, shit. <laughs> like this very nice conversation. Like, so mom, I appreciate you and all you yeah. do, but don't touch. <laughs> so to this that day, I give her a hard so time. Funny. Yeah, yeah oh she's over in the back. God. She's like, do you mind if I'm, can I watch? Can I be back here? I was like, mom, yeah. You do you. It's fine. Just don't clean up our hot set, please. Oh, my. Awesome. Was the skeleton makeup on Brian? Was that something you'd come up with before? Did they come up with on the day when, they, uh, when he was there? We did a couple trials on it. We, I, I knew that I kind of wanted a caked skeleton kind of flaking off yeah. something. And it, that um, the character from uh, Princess and the Frog. Yeah. I can't remember his name now. Like that was kind of oh, what the I was. Man. Yeah. yeah, the voodoo. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. That's kind of what I wanted, and I said, yeah. but I wanted it kind of like Joker because it was right when Dark Knight came out, and his oh, always right. looked kind of like cracked. Yeah, yeah. So they did a couple trials on it, um, and the first one came back. She literally just done like the Joker makeup, and I was like, well, that's not, when I said I wanted Joker. That's not what I meant. But let's try. Uh, yeah, a couple trials on it, and it was like there it is, perfect. Simple as that. So cool. Nice. Oh, we love the. Uh, was it the Kunkin parving? Kunkin parving. Uh, oh, yeah. The yeah. in joke between the girls. I feel like even that little gag was all that it took, and and seeing something like that right at the beginning was enough to pull you in and and really feel like you're a part of this this, this mm-hmm. group of kids. When did you come up with that part of the dialogue? I'm so curious. Was that something you just came up with on the fly? Was that an early moment in writing the script that you came up with that? Um. That was initially an early moment, but then had to change. I think the original version, there was another girl there and there was this whole kind of, uh, we introduced another girl that seemed to be a big part of it that then disappeared. Okay. So, and then it wasn't until way too late in the process that I'm looking like, wait, that doesn't make sense. So, okay, we're going to cut someone out of the scene altogether and let's cram all to the good stuff. And it worked out even better, I think, because the dialogue just ping ponged that yeah, much better yeah, without yeah, the yeah, yeah. person there trying to interject. Yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Did you, you keep anything from it since it was your first movie? Um, I did. I kept a handful of things that now, like, my mom is bugging me to take out of their garage. <laughs> the, the pumpkin guts in the freezer. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, um, like, some, like, all of the sets essentially, like, everything was done, like, as cheap as possible, like, yeah. by me. Um, and there were scenes too, like, so that we're shooting the party scene. At the same time, we we're setting up for the next day was going to be the all the pumpkins hanging in the trees, but the pumpkins had I didn't want to carve them too early because I don't want them to start oh, rotting. Yeah. So I was like, well, let's carve the pumpkins today, in between takes. So I kept like running away from set to carve pumpkins, and the AD kept coming yelling at me like, dude, you can't be leaving set in the middle of like we're shooting. You need to find somebody else to carve pumpkins. Um, so you were telling because at one point the streets are lined with them too. Yeah, you carved. Did you carve all those too? Oh yeah! Holy yeah. shit! <laughs> I carved more pumpkins than I'll ever. Oh and like my the, god! The scarecrow that was in the front yard and like the the ticket booth was yeah. just somebody's like I think it was a picket fence that they were throwing out. That I'm like, well, I'm going to take your fence and turn it into a ticket booth. Um, so I kept actually I have the ticket booth like in pieces, so you can like put it back together. It's got yeah. like the big skeleton and like there's all sorts of. 
stuff that like I don't know when you're making a film you think you're being so like clever and all this stuff and it's like eh. uh, but like the whole inside <laughs> of the ticket booth is covered in like tally marks and there's oh, a scene we wow. did at the end that we were we shot but we never used it's like essentially him the skeleton standing in that ticket booth after all is said and done and he like cuts Doing his that. hand open takes some blood and he puts four more tallies oh, on the wow. thing wow um, but because that scene didn't work at the end he's like well this field, the field has to be empty at the end so he can't be there doing that. Wouldn't we? All right. Well, it was fun to try. But yeah, if you watch this out, you'll see that all the, the tally marks are all over the place. Oh, but we wow. Never explain I, what didn't, they I didn't notice it. That, that, that is awesome. Were you aware that Aaron Galvin could do such a damn good Jack Sparrow impersonation? Or was that I lucky? I had no idea. It I don't like even remember. Spot that. on. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I think in the script, too, I don't uh, think that's what it was. I'm trying to, I don't remember exactly what that, what he was supposed to be, what the character was, but I think like that was one of those things that it really didn't make a difference. They all right. had to be a character. So I think that our costume designer actually went to like Walmart the day before and was like, what do we got? Um, and he was adamant. He was, can I please be Jack Sparrow? Can I please be Jack Sparrow? I was like, I'm not sure. I don't think I can say Jack Sparrow, yeah. but <laughs> right, right, right. I don't know. This thing's going to be too small. I'm not going to get sued, right? <laughs> Just don't get me sued. I don't care what you do. And then he showed up and he did that. People were losing their minds. Oh, it was so, it was, it was incredibly <laughs> accurate, incredibly yeah. accurate. So did you, I mean, all in all, did you, what did you think about the process of making your first film? Was it something you were like, I have to do this again. This is extraordinary. Or this is a really, really fucking hard. <laughs> all of the above. Yeah. Oh, uh, shot the whole thing in 12 days. Wow. Um, so that was a little rough. I'd like literally like passed out when we got done and it was all nights, almost all nights. And then we got done that last. So showed get back home at like, you know, it's five o'clock in the morning and I like just fell asleep on the couch. And I think I woke up like 18 hours later, just sitting there and oh people, my like God. 16 missed calls because all the crew and cast had gotten together for like a party and stuff right through it. Um, yeah, I think learning, uh, I, was so um, like I always think of the quote from Jurassic Park of all things like I was so wrapped preoccupied with that I could I didn't stop to think if I should it's like I should have taken so much more time to like lock down a script and really like I should have rewritten the thing about 14 dozen more times Ah. oh (laughs) Oh, you're being too hard on yourself (laughs) but I think like you'd so wrapped up like oh my god I'm doing this I'm doing this then it was you know I look back on that now as being like I'm very proud of the fact that we made it. I mean, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and it got distribution. Do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would love to be able to go back and be like, oh, okay, no, especially now, like you've, you've learned so much that it was a long time ago since I wrote it. So sure. I feel like my, obviously my writing has changed quite a bit since then. I would love to be able to go back and be like, okay, there's some very cringeworthy scenes in that movie. <laughs> then I'm like, oh, God, who wrote that trash? <laughs> oh God. Oh. So, I mean, since then, how, how have you kind of nurtured and, exercised your creative muscles did you do you just make a habit of writing all the time no matter what and make yourself do it yeah pretty much um so after the film got distribution it did like a couple festivals it got distribution from terror films um and again i think every step of the way you think that this is your big break and your big break just never comes um the big break is basically like a slow (laughs) just a very slow it's like the um a 10 year overnight success. Sure. Uh, so yeah, I went back to, uh, doing some reality producing and just, that's when I did a couple of the, uh, lifetime, uh, movie network. There was a couple of shows in there that were actually scripted shows, but you're a producer because you can't say scripted. Right. Um, and just, yeah, I, I think I finally reached the point where I realized I needed to take the writing part seriously. And as much, I love directing and I definitely want to direct in the future, but it's like concentrate on really what they say is finding your voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I just needed to figure out what that even meant. 
I think so many people are like, oh, write what you know, write what you know. It's like, well, okay, well, I know that's not all that exciting what I know. It's like I didn't come from some crazy, fun, you know, uh, upbringing. But I think it realized more, it's like, it's not writing your own stories. That doesn't mean write what you know. It's really writing kind of like figuring out who, what stories you want to tell, like what's mm-hmm. important to you and what kind of characters you want to tell. And um, so, yeah, I think it just spent the last, you know, the next years just really finding my voice by writing every day. And mm-hmm. if it's, you know, writing screenplays, if it's writing podcasts, if it's writing novel, you know, whatever it takes to be like, you just need to be honing that craft every single day. It's like, it means like going to the gym. It's like mm-hmm. you, you do it. Um, Is so it always horror? Almost always horror. Uh, I think I had one kind of true crime thing that has fallen into my lap a little bit um, that I've been doing, but I mean, that's too. It's that's murder. Horror. So it's still yeah, horror. Yeah. It's horror adjacent. Yeah, yeah. sure is. Um, I'm just thinking romantic <clears throat> comedy or just something. No romantic comedies. I did do a children's book. Oh, that's uh, but even cool. that's horror adjacent. That's good. It's Scarecrow. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, you, you write, um, there's a passage in the book that, that I love that kind of talks about, uh, well, you'll hear it. I wrote it down here. So you write, uh, inspiration became harder and harder to lock down and the words, which usually flew from my fingertips uh, faster than they ever formulated in my mind became a letter by letter slog through alphabetical muck. And I love that description of kind of that ever present battle of the creative process. When you find yourself there, do you find yourself there often and how do you turn that into a positive when you're in that space? Um, I think if I'm very stuck in a moment where I'm literally just can't get that next word to come out, I think it's, um, the product of a bigger problem. Okay. So I'll go back. Like if something's not working right now, it means the foundation I've laid to get me here. Something's not right. I'm on the wrong path. Interesting. Um, so for me, if I'm just really like, I don't know what to write here. I'll go back. I always, I try to start everyday writing by rereading what I wrote yesterday. Okay. So at least that gets the wheels greased a little Mm -hmm. bit and you're going, okay, I remember who these people are. And I kind of, um, and if I'm right away, like, I don't know where to go. I'm like, well, then I need to change what I did yesterday because I didn't set myself up for success today. Wow. So it's not a question of, ah, Maybe the inspiration just isn't there today. You honestly will go, let's dissect what I've done that has led me to this point of not knowing where to go. Yeah. Yep. And I think there's, I mean, there's days where you just like, for whatever reason, yeah. uh, not feeling it. Sure. Um, I'll try to do something else creative. Mm-hmm. So I think like if I try to have at least two to three projects going at any given time at different stages. So one maybe is like a, I'm putting together a pitch for a project. That's so much like finding cool pictures online and let me like, okay, I could spend six hours just Googling spooky houses yeah. to yeah. find the right picture. So <laughs> sure. like, you're working, but you're not really. Yeah. But you're consuming, right? You're yeah. feeding the imagination. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Or that type of stuff. Or, you know, I think we, a lot of writers, we, if we're doing like a pitch document or something like that, we will obsess over like the font of yeah. the title. Like we're clearly just buying ourselves time. Like it's such bullshit. Like we're just like, no, it's really important that I get this color of font, just the right shade of orange. Like, no, you just don't. But you know, there's something about that that could trigger the imagination, right? To go down a path that you never would just because you see a font that looks that, you know, it just hits you in a way, right? Absolutely. Or like pictures. There's so many times I'm going through like looking for, you know, I wrote this script that had a, a very distinct Chrome mask. That's all I knew. I just knew I wanted it to be reflective and be scary because I wanted to be able to, like, if you were out in the woods and you swung your flashlight across the trees, it would 
flash. These are, oh, what yeah. is that? I had no idea what I wanted it to look like other than being Chrome. And so I just started Googling Chrome masks and this and that and going to like um, Spirit Halloween store. And it just like I found the most perfect mask ever. And then that informed so much more moving forward of like, this is the mask. Okay, here's what right. I want to do with it. Huh. So you that's just, that said, what informed uh, as dead things do? Um, so with the pandemic uh, last summer, I think we were all just like banging our heads against the wall and just needing a change of scenery. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my husband and I went to North Carolina. He grew up uh, in the Bay Area, but he went to college in North Carolina um, and has a bunch of friends still there and his sister lives there. So we decided, let's just, I love it there. It's it's in Wilmington. So it's like, you got the beach five minutes that way. You got this incredible, like historic downtown, like revolutionary war down, like history. Uh, five minutes the other direction. Isn't that um, where they filmed Dawson's Creek? It sure is. Yeah. Oh, why why do you think he went the to other, college there? The other show oh too, the, gosh, the basketball yeah. show. <laughs> Uh, One Tree Hill. One Tree Hill. And oh, yeah. the notebook took place notebook. In, in North Carolina. The book. Or, yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer was shot right across wow, the way in um, South Florida. really Border. like, yeah. Oh, Wilmington's a huge film. There's a big, in fact, where they shot Black Phone. They shot a, oh, lot, wow. of, a lot of the new Scream. Yes. Um, Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. Yeah. What do you yeah. think it is about that area? Is this got that, what, that fall vibe all the time? Or um, what is it? What is it? That's a good question. I think... It's got a little bit of everything. Cause you really have like, it's a beach town. Yeah. It's yeah. a college town and it's got this cool downtown, like, um, like a river walk district. It's just got a lot. And I think having, considering the shot Dawson's and then one tree hill there, mm-hmm. I think they kind of built a little bit of that foundation of being able to, you know, production facilities and stuff like that. Yeah. There's some um, awesome houses that I've seen oh, over God, there. I'm gorgeous. Like, oh, so yeah, pretty. Right on the sound. Uh, yeah, so we were there just for the, we went there for the summer and uh, we went to visit his sister who lives uh, inland a couple hours uh, in a small town called Trinity. And she lives in a house that is the exact house that I wrote about in the book where it's like her husband got this land parceled off from his family land. And now they're in the original house that's 200 years old. And there's the barn back there. And there's like, they're like, oh, it's definitely haunted. Like, yeah, okay. Like, no, it's for sure. It's haunted. <laughs> like, okay, well, now I'm intrigued. Um, so I just went and I was like sitting in their backyard with a notebook being like, well, I'm going to find inspiration here, I think, because I'm, I want to write a screenplay and it's gonna be great. Uh, and then this thing just started coming over me. This like the idea of the yuck. I felt it. And this. Wow. Oh, so is that when the yuck, yuck was born? Even the name, the yuck, the was, yuck was the first thing. And it was the name of the book for a while too. But I was like, eh, eh. um, but yeah, this, there was just something about the land and it wasn't just confined to the house. It was the barn and there was this, this little pond across the street and just, it has a feeling and I can't define it any more than to say it just feels like yuck. Did anything crazy happen? Like, did you see things move or you just felt this presence? Of- I just felt it. Okay. Um, but they had all kinds of stories for me. Like so many of the stories in the book, like some of the smaller, um, uh, the, yeah, the smaller haunt stuff yeah, in the book. Okay, yeah. I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't want to ruin anything. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but... Are directly from like pu- ripped right from their stories. Oh wow. Yeah. So is that uh, how you based? I mean, when you built the the lore of the yuck again, without giving away spoilers, and just kind of how it behaves and how it operates was were it was it those stories that were informing you, or where did you kind of come up with building the way it the mechanics of the yuck? I think a lot of that was created. So I knew that I wanted this yuck, whatever that yeah. might be. And then I think um, it it came from the characters. So I think sure. stole, again, a lot of stuff from 
people I know and family and friends to like, God, that is such an interesting character trait. Something or something that happened to you that I find so fascinating. I need to put in a book. It's funny now, like we just saw my, uh, my family this past weekend and my aunt looked at my husband and she's like, I don't know if I can look at you the same anymore. <laughs> like, it's not him right it's like, well no i don't know i don't but know funny you say that because the book actually reads and i might be i might be wrong in my assessment here but the book reads kind of like a diary like i'm reading this and i'm like when you're talking about the character development and you know, the the sister and the, the five kids and mm-hmm. and and how you know they come over to play and hang out you know it's like this feels like it's like your real life story like you're like you're telling us something that hey this is real well, thank you, I think. Uh, <laughs> yes. I mean, it definitely helps with the yeah. immersion. Yeah. yeah. The whole thing. yeah it does. Well, I've never written anything first person like that before. And yeah. I think that's the big, you know, when people read, especially your family reads it and they're reading it first person, they're just assuming like, oh, this must be something that happened to you. Right. Um, which was an interesting experience just to be like taking, it, it forces you to live within somebody else's skin for a minute. Right. And these terrible things that are happening to the characters, I'm kind of having to put myself there. Which, that must be a process, right? Are you taking on Caleb, basically, when yeah, you sit yeah. down and write this every time. Yeah, and I think there's there's a lot of me in him, but there's also a lot of other people in him. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of the stuff, you know, like especially addiction, that stuff that I'm like, oh, I could speak to that, but I can't speak to the infidelity, but I can speak to this idea of loneliness. And I think, you know, it, horror is just such a perfect place to put that character. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I think being, you know, horror fans i think we all kind of are very familiar with the idea of loneliness mm-hmm. and i think then on you know putting on top of that kind of like being queer there's so much loneliness that comes with that that i think that it's the perfect experiment is to say okay if i'm gonna make somebody lonely let's put them in a horror position where they now can't even turn to the person that they like their their person yeah is a part of the reason why that they feel betrayed yeah yeah yeah, you and set it that, up right at the beginning. Yeah, and I think that the great haunted house thing that, you know, the, the big hurdle you need to get over is, well, just leave. Why don't you just leave? Yeah. And the idea that, you know, no matter where you go, there you are. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you're going to be lonely no matter where you are. And yes, these crazy things are happy house. And yes, I mean, yes, he tries to leave or he leaves. Um, but ultimately it comes down to this character who's just so incredibly alone and so incredibly lonely. And then these crazy things start happening to you and you're just like, well, Great. The Boo Crew will be right back. Somewhere between science and superstition, there is another world. A world of darkness. Nobody expected it. Nobody believed it. And nothing could stop it. The one hope, the only hope, the exorcist. Warner Brothers presents William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist. The Exorcist, directed by William Friedkin. The Exorcist, rated R. Under 17, not admitted without parent. did it take you to write the book um it, i wrote it fairly quickly i think the first draft well all in all i'd say from 
writing that first day sitting in the backyard with a notebook to the day it got published was just under a year. Wow. Um, so I think the writing process, the, the, the bulk of it probably, you know, four, three, four months. Wow. Wow. Really. Was there any time where you had to set it down and go like, a, like I needed a little break from this. I'm going to come back. Or did you just keep going? I just kept going. I was yeah. so ingrained in it at that point. Or I think it's just, I had, sat down i assumed i was going to write a screenplay and it just kind of came out as this first person thing that i did not expect so it was kind of like it was cathartic in ways and i was going through dealing with other stuff that i could put into this and tell these stories and i really want to take advantage of the fact that we're in we're there so i didn't want to have to like so you did it the whole time you were there the whole time you wrote it there on site yep wow what was that describe the place where you you wrote the bulk of it the actual room um I sat in the backyard. Yeah, on really? A, on a lawn chair with like, and it was like, you know, it's North Carolina in the summer, so it's 500 degrees and 200% humidity. So I didn't want to take my computer out there. So I wrote it all in a notebook, longhand, oh, which is wow. like, oh, wow. I hear people say they do that as like a, you know, it's, oh, my first draft is always on. Like, yeah. I just did it because <laughs> I, I didn't want to sweat on my, <laughs> yeah. on my laptop. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then we would, I would go back to, uh, we rented, like said, this apartment in Wilmington and I would be laying by the pool. So, like so much of like the scary stuff that you're like in this dingy, dark, yeah. disgusting basement. <laughs> I'm literally like getting a tan. My <laughs> ties. <laughs> yeah. Here's a weird. I mean, a weird thing. But I mean, so many of our friends are are making the move from California to other other places. Yeah. And that's a big part of this book, right? They they're from California yeah. and they move to mm-hmm. North Carolina. This family homestead. Has that ever been something that's ever crossed your mind to get out of California? Every day. Yeah. 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 Well, neither of us are from here. So I think that makes a big thing. Sure. We don't have the family next door. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, I loved it here when I came here. I still enjoy it. I think that there's, you know, LA's got so much to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me personally, I just feel like I've gotten everything I needed. I've sure. grown. I've done so much here. I really found myself here and I'll never, you know, regret it. But I feel like I would like to kind of get back to a little more of that hometown, small town. Yeah. Yeah. Seasons, yeah. actual oh, fall. Right. Seasons. So yeah. is that, was that funneling through the, that must have been funneling through the oh, book. 100%. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I feel oh, it. Yeah. yeah, I think in so much of that too, I'm like also trying to manifest it. I'm like, I just want to live in North Carolina. Yeah, right. <laughs> I will move here. Give me the haunted house. I'll move to it. I don't, I'll put up with all the crap. I don't care. I just want to get out of here. No, I love, it's not meta per se, but there's no secret that uh, I mean, Jared and Caleb are horror fans. I mean, horror is a part of the story. Yeah. They they watch horror when they go to sleep. At one point, Caleb's at a movie marathon and he's okay. watching The Omen and Rosemary's Baby. Yep. Was that? What do you think the 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 cool thing of being able to make them aware of the horror genre and all the spooky stuff, just in general? At, like, how do you feel that that added to the creation of the story? I think that just helped me make it that much more real because that is who my husband and I are. Right. We're so like, and there's so much stuff that's just ripped right from us. I think I, I don't remember the exact passage, but it's something about falling asleep and he always finds, puts on a movie yeah. that somebody's getting killed. It's the glorious scene when you wake <laughs> this up. This is my life. Oh, Jesus. Every single night. I'm like, he, it becomes a joke now. He puts on a movie. He's like, what is the most obnoxious movie I can put on? It's like, that's awesome. I wake up to chainsaws and women screaming every right. night. I'd, I'd love to know which movie do you guys disagree on? Um, I think, who? I think our biggest disagreement lately 
has probably been the new Halloween movies. Oh, oh, interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Is there uh, who's the, who's the bigger fan of the new Halloween movies compared <laughs> to the original? Well, not even compared to the original. We both like Halloween. The original Halloween is like sacred yeah. for yeah. both of us. We both okay. love it, and there's no comparison. And these new movies, I think people get wrapped up in like sequels or remakes or any of these things having any effect on the original. Right. John Carpenter's Halloween will never change. Nothing you can do is going right. to like sully it in any sure. shape or yeah. form. Yeah. Um, but he, he enjoys the new ones much more than I do. Hmm. Huh? That's, yeah. you know, fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. I Nothing think, wrong with that. No. And then, you know, I think that there's, there's definitely good things. I liked the first one. I liked the 2018. Yep. Um, there's I, just certain things that I, I, yeah, I prefer my Laurie Strode to be H two O Laurie Strode. Oh yes, interesting. Such a yep. good movie. Yeah, a huge H two O fan. Oh, the See, haircuts, like, though, man. Oh. <laughs> the it's haircuts. The haircuts. And the terrible, like they couldn't. I don't know what the whole story was, but with the mask that they couldn't get it right, yeah. they kept screwing oh, it up, right. and it's CG at one point. <sighs> and, like they, yeah, I don't know what happened with that, but like, but I still love it. Oh, it's per. I love yeah. it. Dawson. Yeah. Creek people in there. Yeah. Oh. I love the Janet Lee's cameo. Yeah. With the, was it the actual car from Psycho, right? Yep. I believe. Yeah. yeah. That's so yeah, cool. So many, yeah. So yeah, I go Halloween 1, Halloween 2, and then H2O. Like that's, you know, like they wanted to Me retcon too. the whole like timeline. Nice. Yeah. That's my, yeah. That's my timeline. Oh, that's so fascinating. That's cool. <laughs> I wanted to read another quick passage from the book, if I may. The only other way in and out of the room was through the kitchen where I came from. I swallowed the increasingly familiar taste of adrenaline suddenly filling my mouth. I was quickly beginning to associate the bitter, unpleasant taste with the house and surrounding property. The yuck. And what an evocative description that is. And it's a real testament to the kind of writing that you do throughout the book as well. Even talking about the leather on a chair (laughs) that Caleb's sitting on where he goes to write. What do you attribute that, I guess, the development of your immersive descriptors and your literary voice, where does that come from? I think reading a lot. Sure. I think you figure out kind of the, the your happy medium of what I like to read um, as far as descript- descriptions go. I think like as much as I love Stephen King, he sometimes gets so heavy in the description that I get a little lost sure. in the weeds. Um, and I want, you know, I think even down to the length of the book, it just, there's certain things you're like, okay, this is the length of book I like. This is like length of chapters that I like. And I think you're just reading so much that you can kind of figure out, you're like, okay, I find where I, where I'm happy with. You can de- like, how important is this tree? If we're going to describe it for a page and a half, it better be a damn important tree. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, and I think some of the more visceral stuff, it's like really, again, kind of that first person, like putting yourself in that spot and saying, like what helps me show what kind of headspace I'm in? If I'm noticing the leather of the chair, what is that saying about what I'm thinking about? Because ninety percent of the time, you're never going to think about what you're sitting on. Yeah. But if I'm sitting, you know, I'm very specifically sitting in this chair in this spot. Like I know like this room. Like I'm always remember the leather chairs or like the whole the feel of the room plays through the leather. Is that not sure. that makes sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. Was it? Is it a certain? author that you've read that does that that did that that was like it really resonated with you it was like that's i love that um god i've read so many good ones i'm gonna have a hard time coming with a single i know like i got really big i think when i first really started getting into reading horror um i think stephen king was a little too much for me Mm -hmm. at first 
Uh, and I got big into Dean Koontz, which yeah. always feels like a little like Stephen King light yeah. to a certain degree. Um, and a lot of my like, I think a lot of what I like about reading horror came from some of his descriptives too. He was so great at that. Was there a book you've read that just scared the shit out of you? I think Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of those just again like you can't get that out of your head um i really liked a book called house of leaves okay oh that was like that's one of those that they've been trying to figure out how to turn into a movie for ever and it's just impossible it's like it is it is to um fiction what blair witch was to film wow so okay. it's just this like it's notebooks but it's out of order and sometimes you have to actually literally turn the book sideways to read what's on oh, the page wow. and it's all appendices and who wrote it daniel oh god i don't remember the last name it starts with a z it's like daniel Zazuski. wow oh, that is really cool how did yeah. you discover it that's a great question it was years ago i don't remember how i found that one huh but yeah it was just one of those years like wait what and you get so just like wrapped up in this thing where it's like a crazy man's rantings but this house and i'll never forget there's this it's a house that is bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Oh, that's so cool. So he measures wow. it. And he's like, well, that doesn't make sense. And that always stuck with me. This idea like, oh, wait. And then like the further you go down this rabbit hole, the more like nonsensical the literal book gets. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's crazy. It's a wow. really great one. Highly recommend. I got to read that. Yeah. I just read a crazy book about polygamous but- <laughs> I haven't read that one. <laughs> All different. You're always reading about polygamy. I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what you're talking about. You're, you're getting into it. Y'all moving to Utah. <laughs> so, have you ever thought of turning the book into a film? Uh, yeah. I think that that's kind of like the first question out of, you know, especially, the, you know, talking to reps and stuff like that. We're just like, oh, well, you wrote a book. That's interesting, but you're a screenwriter. I don't. So, we're going to do this as a movie. Right, right. right. Uh, um, I think that it, like I said before, it's like I sat down intending to write a script, but it just came out in this way that I think it, this would be a tricky one to adapt yeah. because it is so one person's story about being yeah. lonely. There's of course ways, but you have to like create new character, like who are you talking to? Um, it would be hard, but possible. It'd be a whole series. Yeah. Yeah. Do you picture anybody when you were writing in the roles of... You know, Marge and Missy and um, <laughs> not with that. With funny enough, no. With not with the novel. Like when I'm screenwriting, I will. Yeah, but with that, for whatever reason, they're just faceless. Yeah, yeah, or a little bit based on like my family to a certain degree. Sure. Like the people who I'm kind of like uh, closest to. I'm like, oh yeah, that's your that's your problem. Yeah, so yeah. Picture yeah. you with that. Were you the avatar in your mind for Caleb when you're writing? That's a. I don't know. Huh. No weird. I have no idea. Uh oh. <laughs> I don't know if that just like cracked something up into my brain right, 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 right. now. Like, I would like imagine so. I don't know why not, but I can't picture like as I'm like you said, like as an actual avatar, I've never No, I picture somebody else. Huh. Interestingly. Huh. Even though I'm writing first person. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yes, that's why I keep going back to the diary idea. Yeah. Right. It feels like, you know, this is my story. It's like Written by Gabriel. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was there a character that you loved writing for the most? I mean, was it Caleb or was it not? Um, yeah, I think Caleb was probably the, you know, it's the most, the most me. So I think that was, you know, 
you're the most in his head. So yeah. that's a fun, but it's also so fun to write some of these quirky side characters. Sure. Um, that you could very easily go very deep into them. Here's like, God, this sister's so funny. Yeah. With jug of wine. Yeah. Like, you can just really like rabbit hole with her. Right. But then you find yourself like, I'm so far off track from what I like, what the story's about. Uh, yeah, I think probably Caleb. Yeah. I love yeah. just like the, the descriptors of walking into her house and yeah. kind of seeing, you know, the mess of having all those kids and what that does to a house. Was it a perfect description? And, and I mean, this is what usually yeah. our house looks like in yep. the description. <laughs> uh-huh. Right say. down to the mold and the bathrooms and all the tub toys <laughs> everywhere, everything. It was <laughs> startlingly accurate. Perfect. Oh, well, if you guys say so, I'm going to believe it. <laughs> no, it's definitely, it's definitely true. So how did you know when you were finished like there was no more going back and retweaking anything and you you were like this is this is it i'm done um i'm still tweaking honestly yeah. it's like going through now we're like oh it's been like the first edition was published but i found all these typos like damn it uh <laughs> so doing that um but i think you just had like ultimately it came down to you could tinker until you're dead yeah you just have to make that decision. Be like, this, yep. I have to step back. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you go know, on you forever. Could, yeah. You can always go back and like add that one more sound effect or add that thing or tweak yeah. that. You're just like, I, I have to walk away from this. Otherwise, we'll never get out of here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's too. It's like one of those things that I've gotten better at or good at even that like with all the writing I've done. It's like, I know like the idea of good today is better than perfect tomorrow. Mm-hmm. To a certain degree, it's like it makes me sound like I'm just like yeah, just no, good no, enough. I get it. You got you at some point. You gotta. You have to. You yeah. go crazy if you yeah. don't. Yep. You got to say, all right, th- there it is. That's what it is. Um, and you always have, you know, if you want to do better, then write a sequel. Yeah. Well, I'm curious. Did you know where the book was going to end up as you're writing, or did it inform you it, during the journey? Is, is that when it was revealed? It revealed itself. Yeah. Um, which is not at all how I normally write. So I think that was the other thing that was kind of interesting about this is that like every single time I've written a screenplay of like, I know my opening scene and I know my final scene. Yeah. And I mean, cause I'll, it ends on such a great last sentence yeah. too. Yeah. I, that just was one of those things where I got about halfway through where you're just like with screenwriting too. It's like, you know how long you're about to be. I'm like, okay, I know eventually when this thing is done after I've cut it and everything, I want it, you know, 90, 95 pages yeah. with a novel it's like there's no rules so i could just write and write and write i didn't know if it was going to wind up being a novel or if it was gonna be a short story if it was gonna be a you know an essay i had no idea when i started writing how long it was going to be and it just kept going and going and going uh and then sometime about halfway through i was like oh, that'd be a cool what if he oh and then i finally had this end point like, okay cool let me write that ending and come back to where i was so it was like yeah, it's about halfway through once I realized where wow. I was going. That's very cool. <laughs> wow. That's very cool. I was I thinking, I was like, gonna... oh, go ahead, go ahead, Leo. I was just going to say, I feel like real writers, like that's what they do. Like they, I can't write an ending and go back to a middle. <laughs> right, you have to My wait. brain doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all right. linear for you. Yeah. That's fascinating. I think it's so like, you know, I think it depends on the, the story too i think sometimes especially in genre you are really your ending is kind of like if you don't stick the ending it doesn't make a difference how good the rest of the book is or movie yeah like you think of movies you're just like god i love the whole thing but the ending sucked you're gonna come out of it just going the movie sucked yeah that's right (laughs) so you really have to take your time to make sure the ending lands yeah you know something like like the other something like that like okay right i really love that movie yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's had to been written around the twist right yeah something like that right you gotta find that twist what were you gonna say leo no just thinking how 
I think uh, something that would work great for this book would be like a scripted podcast for it. Mm. So not you know you take, oh, yeah. you take the book and you don't have it's to like read. you know <laughs> condense it down to a feature length script, for example. But you could expand it into like a scripted podcast. You could tell you know part of the story each week, thirty minutes at a time or something. Let's do it. <laughs> there we go John Bleeder's no. Digest looks for a whole, whole episode 50 through 100 <laughs> take us through the rest of our lives on Bleeders that would be a bad idea that would be awesome no I think that yeah there's that's a really cool idea I like that and I think that you know in talking about you know uh, podcast the idea of the like scripted podcast I think that my my experience with them is that like I can get really into like a self-contained scripted podcast a one episode one story yeah it's extending the story over multiple episodes that i i get lost sure. right? get like <laughs> sure. i gotta come back and then i think it's easy of television a you've got that previously on yeah and b even if you didn't it's so visual that you're like i know these characters i'll remember as soon as i yeah. see them oh yeah you hate you but as soon as you're doing it with voices you gotta go wait who's that and why do they not that's an interesting yeah. yeah it's been interesting to see some of the experimentation that's kind of been done with these f- longer form yeah audio podcast movies i guess yep. they call them like right audio like podcast movies right, right. like that one that um who was uh why am i i'm blanking the chilling adventures of sabrina uh, Kieran Kieran Shipka. Shipka. Yeah, she stars on one that's always, always charting. Isn't them. it yeah. a Q code? It's like, it's done, a, is, it, is it a Q code one? I think so. Yeah. It was, is it Trick or something like that? I think it's like a, it's a Halloween based right. horror story too. Yeah. Starring her. But it's just all told in one. Yeah. Like one, like hour and a half or two hour episode, right? Okay. Just like one audio movie with sound design and all that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, in, I mean, it's a fascinating you know, medium that podcasting has kind of become, which is basically what radio used to be. Right? Just <laughs> back like in the day. Circle yeah, exactly. We're back to old, like Orson yeah. Welles, like radio plays. You do use sound in the book. There's uh, sound is a big part of it. Not to give any spoilers away, but there's an Elton John reference in the middle of the book mm-hmm. as well. Do you surround yourself with music while writing? Is that an important thing to you? Yeah. It's a lot of soundtracks, a lot of horror soundtracks specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Haunting of Hill House to me is one of the greatest soundtracks yeah. of all time. I could look, like Newton Brothers, Brothers, just like across the board, Newton Brothers. Yeah. Just, like, so I good. could picture Newton doing a badass score to this oh, yeah. to this book. Yeah. yeah. Um, even the uh, Midnight Mass. Every time, like my husband comes home and it just sounds like I'm listening to like a choir. Yeah. Singing, like, <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Why are you? Why, what are you watching church service up there? I'm like, no, it's the Midnight Mass soundtrack. It's great. Uh, Hauntingly beautiful. Yeah. It's, oh, it's it so is. great. Yeah. yeah. Everything they do, I love. I love them. Um, God, some of the other, what was the other one I was just listening to? Oh, Prey? Uh, oh, the new yeah. Oh, movie? Yeah. That's got a great soundtrack. Yes. I've been writing to that recently. That's a really good one. Can you write with the lyrics, like songs with lyrics at all, or no? Is that, no. Oh. No, I get too wrapped up into it. Yeah. No, even with the Elton John thing, I'm like, I need to reference lyrics, so I'll listen to the song once, and then I'll like I'll Google the lyrics, Yeah, and then I gotta turn it off, because otherwise the next Elton John song comes on, and next thing I'm like, wait. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Uh, that particular Elton John song you used, though, was there was there something that led you down the path of using that song? Were you hearing that while you were writing, and happened to grab it, and, and throw it into your creation, or was that something you were like, hmm, I wonder what song would be good for this scene? I think those lyrics had somehow stuck in my brain at sure. some point that I always thought were interesting. Huh. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I think you hear these things, whether it be stories, whether they lyrics, whether anything, or like the way somebody looks, the way a turn of phrase somebody uses, and you just kind of like file them. Yeah. You know, one day, I'm going to come back to that one day. 
I think even like As Dead Things Do, the title, that was, I had that title years ago. Interesting. That was a cool, I don't even know where I came up with it, but I just thought I had it written on a note card, like tucked into a book as a bookmark. It sounds like, like oh. a great emo band. <laughs> it does. That'll be the next step. Yeah. <laughs> Get their shirts at Hot Topic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look them up on MySpace. <laughs> what about coming up with the cover art for this? So I followed um, on like Instagram and Twitter. I just like, you know, you follow people who do cool stuff, like yeah. cool yeah. artists doing cool shit. Yeah. Um, and there's this artist named Mark C. Green who does these amazing black and white watercolors that oh, to me that. always felt very scary stories to yes. tell. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I just, that's and so cool. I was following him and I just like every time he'd post something new, I'm like, God, that's cool. And just find inspiration in them. Yeah. Uh, and then the, you know, wrote the book and it came time like, Oh wait, you got to come up with a cover. And I just took a swing and I just reached out to him and on, uh, I don't know, Instagram. I was like, Hey, do you do commission work? Cause I kind of would love it. Uh, he got back to me. He's like, yeah, actually, perfect timing. I'm open for commission. So, so I showed him one, or I sent him a picture of one of his that he'd done in the past. I'm like, I kind of like this, but I kind of like this, and I kind of, like, maybe upside, I don't know, upside down or something. He's like, okay, cool. How much time do I got? I was like, oh, okay, if you can have it in, like, two months. It was cool. Two wow. months later, popped up. And that was it? That did one and done? One was and it? done. That's that was it, yeah. That's awesome. And then he sent me the uh, the original watercolor of it. So oh, that's so that cool. That's really cool. Yeah. <sighs> I love that. It's such like a cool, it's haunting, but simple. And it's mm-hmm. like, like I said, it's like scary stories telling dark is one of those, like, you know, you talk about like movies or books or anything like, like to feel like we're a part of you growing up. Yeah. I'll never forget those pictures. And I think mm-hmm. our, my whole generation is just like that artwork is so part of who we are. Like yeah. you say, Harold, like, oh, that dance. Yeah, right, right, right. Picture, right. That picture in your head. <laughs> the yeah. spider in the face. Oh. Yep, I can picture that. They were just so good. God, so funny. The best. That Those are like the, the Goosebumps covers. Yep. So yeah. good. Yeah, so yeah, good. yeah. Did you yeah. ever see the, uh, Bayona movie? The, um, oh gosh, the one with, um, which one? What movie was it? What was it called? With the watercolor, the, the movie with the tree and the boy and the the the, um, the tree comes to the boy at night. Oh, uh, the monster three, calls. The monster calls. Yes, that had really cool watercolor. Um, yes, like that's one of those. Art. Yeah, and that's another one of those. Like that book. I remember I have that one on my bookshelf too. It's like one of the most beautifully written books. Yep. That's just so like in the artwork is so incredible. It's, yeah. yeah, it's very similar to this. Oh uh, yeah, I love definitely. that. When a monster calls. A, mon- a monster calls. Just a monster yeah. calls. Yeah, and that's something. If, if you've never tried watercolor, because I I dabble in that once in a while. It is, I mean, it's so peaceful to actually try and do it, but it's so frustrating because once you put that brush down, <laughs> That's it's it? permanent. Yeah. Like, there's no fixing that. There's no going over it. And they look so simple. They do. And that's what I think, like, and I, I'm no artist by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> but I would talk to people and be like, oh, well, why don't you give it a whirl? Like, you could probably, like, come up with something. Mm-hmm. And I, like, just doodled at one point to be like, to send Mark a piece. Like, yeah. I kind of want to look at this. I'm like, well, could I? Maybe I could. God, within 10 <laughs> seconds, you're like, you are, you False are not an artist. Get out of here. <laughs> so in the background, I mean, have you been writing more? Is there another book on the way? What's the latest with that? Um, there's not another book, but there's lots of lots of side projects. Well, the book, I shouldn't say that. The book is the side project. Yeah. That's the funny thing. It's been lots of, you know, screenplays. and That's great. Yeah. Hopefully we got some, some things we're going to talk about. Um, Blair Witch Project got a project maybe sort of coming together with Eduardo Sanchez. Oh, oh wow. Maybe. We'll okay. See. Fingers crossed. I know. Yeah. So yeah, I got lots of lots of things in the lots of irons in the fire. It's just a matter of getting something to actually hey, ignite. Yeah. So yeah. that's what's been is. fun about the book. It's just kinda like 
it was the one thing that I had complete and utter control over. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're doing so many things that you're dependent upon other people or someone's got to like it. I mean, with publishing too, it's like I needed to find a publisher who liked it enough to publish it. But even if I hadn't, I could have self-published as we're with, you know, with uh, screenwriting. It's like, you need to find someone's going to like it. And then, yeah. you know, first getting repped. And then once you're repped, you think you've made it. But then you're like, nope, <laughs> still got to get people to like your stuff. And so it's just like a constant slog. So to have, there's something so cathartic about having the book. Yeah. yeah. Something physically book. Like, look. There it is. Yep. Proof that I do work up there when I'm sitting. In right. the <laughs> I'm doing something. I swear to God. It's not just looking at pictures of haunted houses. Like <laughs> well, listening to choir music. Right. Exactly. The Newton brothers. Well, as, as we wrap up here uh, with Halloween approaching, what, uh, what does your Halloween typically look like? The whole season. The whole, I mean, it's already started. Yeah. Uh, the, the Department 56 Halloween Village that has taken oh, over man. my house. It's <laughs> insane. Yeah, it's extraordinary. It is. Did you like post oh. a picture or something on our Instagram? It's amazing. I'll send it to you. Uh, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of, that is the start of my Halloween season. So when does year. that start? Is it the same day every year? No, it differs, but it's normally sometimes as early as late August. Sure. Fair enough. Um, early September. Yeah. And that's like the start of it. So that's like that day starts where I just pull out all of the houses and I, all the styrofoam and everything comes out and I, you know, line up the movies that are going to be watched. It always starts with Hocus Pocus. And of course. Do you listen um, to music? Um, no, just the movies generally. Just, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, Do you plan, you, you curate the whole movie experience from end of August all the way to Halloween? We'll go through. Yeah, pretty much. So we'll go, we'll definitely do all the Halloween movies. Yeah. Um, Friday Thirteenth series. We'll go through those. We'll go through the Nightmare series, um, and then the, you know, dabble. Put anything in there. Like this year, I don't think we did last year. This year we're gonna do like all the Omen. Um, oh, nice. You pull those some of those out. You know, like you never think to yourself, like, did I ever even see Omen? Yeah, right. I, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Let's just watch them all. Um, and we try to do, we'll go up on the roof once it gets dark and like get up, put up the screen and like project movies. Oh, we look like great. right at the Hollywood sign. It's like gorgeous. Oh like, my God. God. That's so cool. There's like, oh, put the movie up. And you're just like, okay. It's a pain in the butt to do it. But then sure. once you're up there, you're just like, right. oh, this is so <laughs> And then the worst, even worse is taking it, it down. down. Yeah. Right. You're just like, so, especially four if you in the morning. Asleep. Yeah. yeah. You're like, falling shit. asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you wait for it to cool down, even oh, now God. it's like right. 95 degrees up there at right. 10 o'clock at night. And if you leave it up, it gets all fucked up by the next couple days too. <laughs> yeah, I've done that. Can't. It's all dusty. It's never the same. No. <laughs> especially that screen. As soon as that yeah. screen gets dirty, you're screwed. Yeah. You're screwed. You're screwed. Do you ever make time? Do you include new movies in that process or is it always kind of tried and true or going through classic um, franchises we'll try to get new i i don't know i feel like there hasn't been a new horror movie there hasn't been many new horror movies that have really gotten me excited in the past couple of years i'm probably forgetting and i'm probably wrong on that but like it's been a while since there's been that new movie it's like holy shit this sure. is the one sure um but yeah we'll always put new ones in yeah i'm trying to think of ones that, i mean it follows did that for yep, me hereditary sure. yeah uh, midsummer trying to think of other ones i mean more recently there's some new ones coming out that i'm really excited about that had that effect i mean you know terrifier <laughs> terrifier <laughs> 2 dead stream oh, yeah, two witches yeah two, there's two witches yeah it's coming, heard of that one it's coming out in uh, october i think it's two witches and dead stream are both coming out yes. around the same time they're extraordinary Ooh. i'm excited for vhs 99 vhs 99 oh, yeah. yep um god what else 
Yeah, I mean, um, the VHS, is it VHS 2 that had the radio silence contribution where they were on the Halloween night? That's the first one. Is that the first one? The first one. Okay, oh my God. So good. Did you see that first VHS movie? Oh yeah. So good. Yeah, there's actually, I've been, I've been, I mean, as far as a horror fan, uh, the content out there with all the streaming services and things like it's just unbelievable how many yeah. new, uh, you know, how much new stuff is coming. It's hard to keep up with, to be honest. Well, I think that's the problem is like, yeah. I say, like, I don't know, there hasn't been a good one or sure. haven't seen one in a while. It's like, they're out there. They're just right. like, you can't, you yeah. know, there's so many streamers now and there's so many platforms that like to, for anything to make any kind of noise, it has to be so that's got to be curated, right? Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's got to be someone to go, okay, here's the, here's the best of the best. Yeah. You know, you know what's really good is barbarian. Oh yeah. I'm dying to see barbarian. So oh, good. Man. Really? God. Yeah. Don't, don't, you gotta avoid the internet. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Avoid the internet. Don't watch it. a trailer. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Got, Just, yeah. That's one I can't wait to see. That is really good. Yeah. Yeah. There's all sorts of great stuff coming out. And I'm excited for Hocus Pocus too. Yes. I, Fuck yeah. I right? cannot wait. So the trailer gave me chills. I don't know. Oh, you know, that, that, Looking for the stage always. Yeah, <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> yeah uh, David Kirshner, who put that yes, he's right, like, become like a very good friend of mine, and he's oh like, my god, he's been like this incredible mentor, and you know, there's so many like he's got a handful of my stuff, like even that project project with Eduardo, he's attached to that. Oh, he's like been the most incredible. Like if you need my help, like let me know, and I'm like. What a person to have in your <laughs> corner! Awesome. Holy shit! And he's yeah. just like one of the genuinely nicest human beings I've ever met in my entire life. Wow. Just like one of those people who's like, how do you, you know, especially being in this industry for that many right. years, and right? That With kind those of kind of credits, yeah, yeah. like and to still be the most down to earth. Like exactly. Just, like we spend more time talking about our dogs when we talk than we do at, like projects. What kind yeah. of dog do you have? Uh, well, now I just have one. He's a multi poo named Brom Bones That's from the Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Nice. I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, we. And then, yeah, Lambo at a Golden Retriever Cocker Spaniel mix that we just oh had to gosh. say goodbye to this oh. couple like a month ago. I'm yeah, so dedicated sorry. dedication in the book. Yeah, yep. that's right. She's that's right. right. Yeah, yeah, she was. That was the. It's so hard. Oh God, yeah. it's like the worst. Oh God. It's like, and you sign up for it when you get it out. Yeah, you know, right. That's mm-hmm. the thing. But it still doesn't make it any easier. It's been like three years since I lost Winky, our Chihuahua, and he <laughs> knows. Face. Leatherface, yeah, leather, aka Leatherface, leather was her real name. Yeah. But like when I was at the vet, they'd be like Leatherface. Oh my God. No, her leather name's Winky. Yeah, <laughs> 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 that's a furthest I can get from yeah, Leatherface. Exactly, it's, it's Winky. Is on Princess Winky. Face? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Because yeah, she looked like Britney Spears. I mean, she's a tiny <laughs> little <laughs> like the most Britney Spears. Well, she did. She <laughs> she, she had a shaved head and umbrella in her hand. <laughs> oh my God! If you could pick a the... Chihuahua that looked like Britney Spears, it was oh, Leatherface. No. Oh, no, that's a quote. I remember that. Didn't they say she looks like Britney Spears? Her name's Leatherface. No, it's Winky. <laughs> I don't know. And then it became Winky. That. Well, I used to, you know how when you have dogs, they have like 800 names. So she, 100%. And they all morph into things that are like nothing how the first one originated. Yep. So somehow it went from like Scrinky to like. <laughs> Sprinkles, Winkles, Winky. It's just I don't like know. evolved. Yeah. But yeah, it was more and more so not to be embarrassed at the vet. <laughs> a little bit. They were because they were just like, what? And people would just Or give me people dirt. would mishear it and say, 
Lover face. Lover face. Lover face. <laughs> and you're like, I'll take that. That's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, Tyler. Well, dude, congrats yes. on the success of this book. It's Thank extraordinary. You. It leaves you very unsettled. I encourage everybody listening to go and get yourself a copy. It's available wherever books are sold. And I mean, what a fabulous introduction to a uh, an extraordinary voice in horror. We are so lucky to have you within it, and uh, we look forward to the many more excursions into your fascinating and twisted mind to come. Well, yes. thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Awesome. Oh, you guys you, keep thank doing this. You. I love. Oh my god, one of my favorite podcasts. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you. thank you. My God, I don't believe it, but I'll, I'll pretend I. Oh. <laughs> Well, hey there. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 352. Special thanks to our guest, Tyler Christensen. Get his phenomenally scary book, As Dead Things Do, wherever books are sold. Production tracks provided by Power Man 5000. Till next time, on behalf of myself, Trevor, Lauren, and Leo, it is your Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at Tales from the Boo Crew. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shands and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shands, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shands. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. The Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, home of the Boo Crew, for horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy, for disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.